I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast, joined as I often am, or actually every week I am, by Boston. You call him Austin Ward. Boston, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having my hologram on your show. You're welcome, man, because, you know, by the time people are watching this, you and uh, you and Bermanology, uh, the Frenchie, Jeremy Birmingham, will already be in uh, Scottsdale. It's so warm out here. It's lovely at Camelback. Yeah. The hospitality suite is flowing. Yeah, so it's, to speak. <laughs> it's it's great to be out here covering the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl once again. Nothing like the JW Marriott Camelback. It is, uh, Tim. The greatest. I, it I is could, the greatest uh, host hotel in Boldum. I, I could spend the entirety of your podcast talking about how much I love covering the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, the hospitality suite, the golf that you can get in late December there, even if it's a little more expensive that time of year doesn't matter because you can't play out here no uh I, I it's and then you know go hike you can do any like yeah the camelback resort too just it's got it all man well like i said merry christmas you yeah, know that you know christmas I, came early for me on, on selection sunday i guess we're gonna find out I'm gonna, I'm gonna be joining you later in the week out there you know for the uh for the uh, build up to the college football yeah. playoff semifinal, otherwise known as the fiesta bowl uh, I'll save you some Tostitos in the, yeah. in the hospitality suite. I want to tell you something. I want to ask you, though. I mean, what, what are you most interested in learning this week as mm. the buildup ensues about this matchup? Obviously, we've talked about it uh, to a great extent, you know, mm-hmm. the previous couple of podcasts, because to me it's very intriguing. Oh, man. Here's a, here's a team, Ohio State, with this ridiculous uh, – as, as Jerry Emig worked up, it's now the winningest by point nine by point. Nine thousandths of a point or nine ten thousandths of a point uh, program in the country, yet a team it has never beaten is Clemson. Uh, Clemson's got a 3-0 record, 1978 Gator Bowl, uh, the, 19, the 2013 season Orange Bowl, and the 2016 college football playoffs, which were played. In the, uh, in, in the Fiesta Bowl out in, out in sunny uh, Glendale, Arizona. but the, the debacle in the desert. Yeah, the debacle in the desert. 31-0. Urban Meyer, only time he was ever – I think shut out, shut out. correct? Yep. And of course, wholesale changes were already in the works with that team. You know, you heard me ask Ryan Day about that the other day about what has changed, the biggest change they made offensively from that day. And of course, he immediately disassociated himself <laughs> with that game. But the reason he's at Ohio State is because Urban Meyer, for one of another term, cleaned house offensively after that game and and went with Kevin Wilson as an offensive coordinator, Ryan Day as passing game coordinator and probably co-offensive coordinator but mainly quarterbacks coach and since then man this this team again has been on a this program has been on a record pace including this first full season under Ryan Day. Yeah, that team could not throw the football and I remember you know Urban Meyer walked into that post-game press conference and was just like something's got to be done. He said he vowed they were going to get it fixed. Yeah. And I think Kevin Wilson was already on the way in to join that staff. And then Ryan Day followed. Tim Beck was headed out the door to Texas. You know, uh, half of that staff was already going to be on the move. And, and it wasn't really 
clicking with Ed Warner as the offensive coordinator at that time, and it all came to a head in that game. We don't need to rehash all that, but no, no, the difference but is the passing attack. And so if we're talking about uh, Ohio State showing, uh, you know, I think both of those games were instructive for them. The one in 13 was like, okay, the defense is broken. Clemson ushered in that new era for yeah. Ohio State. You'll get Chris Ash to help Luke Fickle and change things there. The offense was broken in 16. Clemson exposed it. Ryan Day comes in. Kevin Wilson as well. Those guys completely overhauled the passing attack. So this will be the opportunity for Ohio State to say, you know, six years later, the recruiting has went in this area. The coaching went in this area. Here is the complete product. Yeah, and, and that, that's just, that's it because 2016, JT Barrett, final years of starting quarterback. Uh, I mean, excuse me, 2017, yeah. final years of starting quarterback. They did get to back to a much better balanced mm -hmm. offense, and of course, against Michigan when they had to have it when uh, Dwayne Haskins Jr. came off the bench, uh, who got who had gotten the nod ahead of. <laughs> Heisman Trophy winner, yeah. eventual Heisman Trophy winner, Joe oh, Burrow, because as you documented uh, <laughs> last week, the broken hand situation, which led to the – wow, did it change college it changed, football? It, it changed the face of college so football. So many dominoes that I didn't even throw in there. but Yeah. Because yeah, Justin but, Fields isn't here, obviously, but beyond yeah. that, you know. But when they needed a passing attack, they had it to a certain extent, but then Dwayne Haskins Jr. took it to three notches above, uh, setting all kinds of Big Ten, obviously school records in 2018. Mm -hmm. And then, and then of course, this year, like you and I have talked about this many times, we were just sitting in a press box or just conversing like we do. Mm -hmm. this, this is about as balanced and over-the-top, omnipresent, omniscient, uh, that's probably not even the right year, use of either one of those words, <laughs> uh, offense that I've covered at Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. From being able to line up and eventually, no matter how good you are on the defensive front, shove the ball down your throat with the running game eventually because they keep hammering on it. But then Justin Fields over the top with this fleet of receivers. People don't know how good they've got it if they're Ohio State fans at the moment. Yeah, and – and so this will be the chance where they have to go prove it against another yeah. team. We've heard this a lot late in the year, that the talent equated. You know, Penn State has a lot of talent. Michigan has a lot of talent. Wisconsin has a good defense yeah. and a great running back. They don't have the horses that Clemson does. Yeah. So if you're going to win a national title and you're going to prove that you're that completed team, you know, I really believe that these are the two best teams. They're, I think they're better than LSU, and the winner wins the national championship. That's getting way – ahead to a different conversation, yeah. but still, but I, I think that this is where the proof will be out there. Ohio state has done it against better competition than Clemson has this year. But if that defense is really a top five defense for Jeff Halfley, Greg Madison, Al Washington, you know, on down the road, yeah. uh, in, in Ryan day's vision, as he, as he told us last week, um, you prove it against Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and, and these, you know, these receivers. And if you're, Justin Fields, if you are that special as a Heisman and you're, you, you always measure yourself against Lawrence, but you have to go do it against a Clemson defense where yeah. they're rolling through five-star defensive linemen and have one of the best linebackers in the country. This is where you have to prove it, and that's why they it's have so exciting because I think the same thing is true for Clemson this year, yeah. that this team uh, has to go out and actually show it against someone with Ohio yeah. State's horses. If you're looking at this game going into it, Ohio State has the more has the more name name. Uh, Superstar, superstar defense than Clemson did. Clemson with that ridiculous front they had for three yeah. years in a row. Um, those guys are gone, dude. Th those guys were good, but you know, as Josh Myers pointed out to us, you know, Ohio State's uh, center, as he pointed out to us uh, last week, uh, that, uh, that just because those guys are gone, they've been recruiting at a high level, just like Ohio State has, and uh, 
there's some talent there on that Clemson defensive front. But anybody who's watched Clemson this year will tell you it hasn't been quite as dynamic. I mean, you know, they they used uh, Isaiah, what's his, Simmons. Simmons. Or the, yeah, they're, they're a linebacker. He's kind of their point man when it comes to, like, harassing the passer, et cetera. I think he leads a team with seven sacks. He's gotten a lot of uh, uh, publicity for that. Yep. That pales in comparison to Chase Young right. with 16.5. It's been on hold now for two games. But uh, Chase Young champing at the bit, you know, maybe going against Jackson Carmen. <laughs> but uh, that'll be an interesting – Talk about that storyline. Yeah, that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. The one that got away for Ohio State at left tackle or, or tackle for uh, Clemson. But but the bottom line is they don't, they don't quite have the numbers Ohio State does defensively. Uh, I think Ohio State is an overall more talented defense. What's your take on that? I, I think that's probably correct. And uh, more specifically, you know, you talked about sort of the, the Chase Young factor in the front seven. Uh, I look at it with Lawrence in that Clemson wide receiving core that this, as I talk about the prove it moment, Yeah. if you're BIA, if you think that that's you know DBU, all these acronyms for Ohio State secondary, Jeff Akuda, Sean Wade, and Damon Arnett, go prove it. Yeah, uh, Jordan Fuller, you know, obviously he's part of that as well. But those guys are going to be in a lot of one-on-one matchups. I think uh, they're going to have to they're going to have to win them, as Trevor Lawrence can beat you in a, in a second. And what's interesting about it, what what do I will be paying attention to in the week ahead as they go through practice? Well, all three of those guys missed some period of time in the those three games at the end of the year. Yes, and it showed when Jeff Okuda was not on the field against Wisconsin. Ohio State had some problems, and that's, you know, that's Jack Cohn throwing, not Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And they went to Quintez Cephas. Uh, I like the way you said that. I mean, that's Jack Cohn throwing, <laughs> not Trevor Lawrence. And, and, and I, you know, no offense, Jack Cohn, but you know, there nobody's talking about you being the number one pick in the 2021 draft. Right. So he showed a lot of moxie in that game, I, though. I, I mean, I don't. They mean, told him. You could tell they told him, man, we got you've got to run. And uh, if you run, it's going to open things up for you. Yeah. I mean, I like their he approach. Had a, he had yeah. a really good game. Yeah. And, and at, there might be, you know, brighter future for him uh, moving forward. Uh, you know, you, I don't need to talk more about Wisconsin. Yeah, we yeah we're done with that. But, but the point is, so Akuda misses that stretch. Defense is not the same. Sean Wade not on the field uh, against Michigan, and, and I don't think close to 100% uh, the following week against Wisconsin. Agreed. And Damon Arnett. You know, the cast, I think he, he told me last week that he's supposed to get a softer one on, uh, <laughs> feeling better yeah. heading into this Fiesta Bowl. But he also picked up um, a back injury, and that's what kept him out in the second half against Michigan. So all three of those guys had to come off the field. You know, no Cameron Brown, I think, is going to be very good. Seven Banks. Yeah. You know, some of these, you know, Josh Proctor, we talk about all the time on this podcast. Those guys are going to be really good. But they are not uh, NFL cornerbacks. That those three guys are going to be yeah. next. How year. healthy? How healthy these guys? Sean Wade is going to be against Clemson is key. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, T. Higgins and uh, uh, was it Justin uh, Ross? You know, I mean, they're two big time receivers. Are both six four. They they can play, dude. They've not only shown they can play. They've shown they can play against Alabama right. in the in the national championship game last year when they made some great catches. For Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence was dropping dimes in the Coke bottle, <laughs> but they were also coming up with some big catches. And I would expect Clemson, based on the way they played in that game, and the the, I would expect a similar kind of approach to Ohio State because, uh, uh, at the end, I'm not sure he's going to get off on Ohio State 
you know, like he has on other teams. But but Clemson, like you said, the, the these, this is when talent equates. This is when game plans equate. Mm-hmm. This is when coaching schemes equate. And they know they've got to throw the ball to beat Ohio State. Wisconsin knew that, had some success, a little bit of success, mm-hmm. but ran the quarterback. The question is whether they're going to run Trevor Lawrence. A lot, you know, Trevor Lawrence can run. He's not Justin Fields. Yeah. But he can run. And I just think – but but this is what you run into when you get to the playoffs. You run into a team that can do a little bit of everything. Yeah, and I think what makes Lawrence uh, a threat or a problem for Ohio State, however you want to look at it, <laughs> is that it won't be the called runs. He just has enough athleticism and willingness to extend plays and run for a first down. This is not a perfect comparison, but like what Cardale Jones did during the playoff run. Yeah, they weren't going to do a lot of you know zone reads or, or designs. You know, calls for Cardale, but but when it's there, go for it. But sometimes there'd be a quarterback draw, a quarterback power, and but more often than not, it was scramble, lower your head, and see what you can get. Yeah. And Lawrence can do that, and so that that tests your defense, especially if you're going to play a lot of man coverage. So that's going to be a little bit of the interesting dilemma I, there as the, the chess match played. Play yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really I'm you know it's really interesting because Sean Wade. I, Love talking to Sean Wade. And Sean Wade's like as honest as you, as you yeah. can get, you know. And he was talking about Travis Etienne, the running back. And he goes, you know, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was, man, you know, this guy's good. I mean, you're not sure he's getting the publicity. Maybe he should. And uh, and then you've got the, the two the two wideouts who clearly have proven themselves. And they know, the Ohio State defense, they know they're in for a fight. They know they've got to step up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Wade knows he's probably got to play all day. You know, can he do it? I mean, he would be on the slot guy. We'll see how they – because they like to mix those guys around to get the the matchups they want. And then on the offensive side of the ball for Ohio State, they're dealing with what a lot of people think may be the most creative, uh, uh, solid – yeah, even though he's creative, he rarely leaves – the I's undotted or the T's uncrossed, which means unsound, in Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator, yep. highly renowned defensive coordinator for Clemson, who long ago could have left for a head coaching job somewhere. But I remember I remember talking to him down at Clemson in the build-up to that game in 2016, and he was talking about how, you know, he really likes where he is. Sometimes you kind of have to find your niche and go for it, and, and you know, and he really enjoys being a defensive coordinator, much like Bud Foster at Virginia Tech. Yep. You know, Brent Venables, he could be anywhere he wants to be right now as a head coach, but without a doubt, they're going against a quasi-guru genius kind of guy. That was a a lottery ticket for Dabo Swinney. That you you get this guy who is yes. as respected as he is. Well, him and him and Chad Morris, yeah, they yeah. have no desire. You know, and he said it many times. We'll see if it's that way forever, but. So far in his career, it's proven out that he doesn't want to be a head coach. He's yeah. very well compensated to do what he yes. does. Not a lot of other places he can do it. But, you know, I got this question a lot when we talked about Jeff Halfley last week. And, you know, the first reaction always from Ohio State fans were like, well, why doesn't Ohio State have one of these guys? Why can't they find him? Well, the names you mentioned, Bud Foster and Brent Venables, those are unicorns. There's only two of those guys really in college football. Uh, one's retired and, and, and one is happy at Clemson. And they pay him $2 million bucks to stay there. Yeah. It's not like Ohio State could have offered Jeff Halfley $2 million for him to turn down Boston College. I mean, they could have, but he probably wouldn't have. He right. wanted, He made no mistake that he wanted to be a head coach. You can't just find those guys. They're, they're so hard to identify and to you know get on your staff. It's, it's a lucky break for Clemson. Everybody else has to live in this real world where these guys want to take their shot. And Venables, you know, I remember that there was once a time in his career back in Oklahoma, I think, where 
he wasn't the most popular coordinator around. Correct. Had some problems, and you know he's kind of got to learn your trade. He's got to learn your yeah. trade somewhere. He's kind of found. <laughs> he's kind of found the perfect fit too. And you don't. You yeah. Don't, sometimes you don't need to rock the boat in that situation, but he ha- also has. Uh, That's what you. I know what you're fixed to say. Go ahead. <laughs> An incredible amount of of talent there you to go. work with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're giving Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison their their chops and their props. Yeah. Rightly so, but holy smokes, as Greg Madison said from the get go. He, he saw as much talent as, he, as he's ever seen. you got to remember, he came from Michigan. <laughs> so you understand where he's coming from there. But uh, he's, his big deal was don't let the scheme get in, get in the way of good players just playing football. And really, Brent Venables comes up with some creative stuff on occasion, a creative blitz here and there, a creative coverage things where he shows you one thing and they fall into something else. But the reason you can do that is because you've got guys with great lateral speed, great awareness, and great just foot speed. You also can't do that for an entire game. Exactly. You're just not going to, especially one when the talent equates, you're not going to go out there and outsmart Ryan Day on every single play. Right. The vast majority of the time, these teams are going to line up. They're going to do what they've done all year. Ohio State's going to try and run J.K. Dobbins. They're occasionally going to run Justin Fields. They're going to throw it out, you know, bootleg and throw to Chris Olave. And Clemson's going to have to line up and stop the run yeah. and have their corners win a one-on-one matchup against good wide receivers and keep an eye on Justin Fields when he and, runs. Like and, that's The players are going to decide it, not the scheme, I don't yeah. think. And as Ohio State hopes, they're going to have to deal with Justin Fields being a big-time running threat. Good uh, point, yep. Now, whether that's going to happen, you know, <laughs> we, who knows? I mean, uh, Adam Stewart, you know, is one of the great rehab guys out there who's been sought by – came from the – spent a little time in the NFL, been sought by NFL teams to join their staffs, et cetera. And he's, he's been working, I'm sure, night and day on that left left knee, just like he worked with JT Barrett yep. uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> on that, he's earned on that his right money knee. the last couple of oh, years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This guy is, is, is brilliant, actually, at what he does. And uh, so we'll see how that pays off in this game. But you're exactly right. The, what Ohio State presents to Clemson is something they haven't faced all year. There's talent at every position on the offense, including all four, five line positions, uh, three tight ends that have proven, four tight ends that have proven they can play. They will block into – and then you've got the magnet, the the specter of a running quarterback. It's really funny, man, because uh, that's part of the buildup. But, you know, you see these guys in high school. And, of course, Ohio State just wrapped up another signing day, mm-hmm. a big-time talent coming in again. But you see, you know, how, how how queer is it that, you know, uh, here's tr- Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields. The top, <laughs> whole life. The top two quarterbacks in the country two years ago, one is the pro-style quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, who can run a little bit, and then Justin Fields, the dual threat, who I think could be as good a passer as Trevor Lawrence, maybe already is close to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw him throw some great He's passes cool. this year. His deep but, ball is, is amazming. But, you know, if he can get close to that 4-3-8, 40-yard 40-yard speed again in this game. I mean, dude, we could see a great we could see a great duel. I think we, yeah, I think we will. I hope we will. It'd be a lot of fun to watch these guys and, and see some of that you know, thinking back to the Elite 11 and see that come to life on yeah. this stage. Uh it's that's going to be another thing to watch the next couple of days cuz you know, back in New York for the Heisman Justin Fields was talking about, you know, the treatment he was trying to, you know, wrap up the knee when he got rare off moments in his hotel room and getting on an exercise bike. And you know, yeah. that was just to get rid of the bulky knee brace. And then you go through another week of practice and you're, you're trying to get closer and closer. He doesn't want to play with one at all. If he can go over a five week span 
from that knee sprain that was bad enough that it looked like he could barely move uh, against Michigan to 90, 95%. Ohio State's going to be in a really good position there. Yeah. Ryan Day was talking about it last week that he, he expected him to be at 100%. I'm not sure that that's really realistic at this point. Uh, who knows? I, I, I'm not the doctor that Stewart is, but if you have – even a 75% fields, which is what you – know, or less that he might have been against Wisconsin, that was a chance for him to show how good of a passer he can be. Yeah. Had 200, 299 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Didn't even practice much that week. So That's pretty good. That's that's a – as you said, man, that's, that's a big deal. The closer that fields is to having the full complement available to him, yeah. the more dangerous Ohio State becomes. Yeah, I'm just – that's the most, you know, we're going to ask him every time we get a shot, yeah, you know, know, in yeah. the buildup, and he's going to, you know, what's he going to say? You know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, been, he's going to play, number one. Number yeah. two, he showed he could play his toughness. He could play with pain when he went back out there against Michigan mm-hmm. and had that ridiculous play right after, which we've talked about ad nauseum on this <laughs> show before that Heisman moment touchdown pass to, to Garrett Wilson. And, uh, but I'm just, who, you know, real quick, let's, kind of sum this up a little bit but you know you and i it takes us 10 minutes to even get our motor warmed up sometimes <laughs> but who do you think could rise out of the ohio state mist not midst but mist and just surprise you Somebody, i mean don't give away your five predictions five bold oh, predictions I'll, but i'll keep those uh close to the vest um you know i, I don't want to he's it's a guy that can you know by the mist i mean He's been not, you know, it's like a ghost. I mean, kind of shows up, doesn't. But, uh, like, for example, Garrett Wilson, I think, is primed. That's a good one. To okay. have a, a game. All right, I'll tell you. That, I won't steal that one from you. I see that's the direction we're going. If, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't think Baron Browning is still listed as a starter on the on the depth chart they put out. Yeah. And he's come and gone with the injuries. So, I, I don't know if that counts as truly off your radar. I kind of wonder where those depth charts come from yeah. sometimes. But <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, we don't need to the dive The depths. In. But. If there's a if there is a defensive player that you need to to match up with this athleticism of Clemson, yeah, and the variety of ways that Baron Browning can play, you know he that core muscle injury really was a a bad deal for him uh, on that you know the play that he won't ever forget gets called for the penalty, Jordan Fuller's going back on the pick six, yeah, and he gets hurt trying to make that block which is flagged. That I swear he got hurt though jumping up in the air out of glee. Yeah, you you may you may. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I mean, maybe right about he that got about part. eighteen feet <laughs> off the ground. He was so, so fired up. So whatever whatever actually caused it on that play, yeah. Um, you know that that really zapped him because he is such a dynamic, you know, freakish kind of athlete. Yeah, goes sideline to sideline. They they had a lot of creative blitzes set up for him. See, that's a good call because that's the kind of thing I was looking for. Is a sneaky the the thing that where you know that guy's been not a hundred percent as a. As uh, Hayden Fry, you say he's had a hitch in his get along since that play, yeah. and uh, that's a guy the rest could really pay off for him. There, Munford, you know, there's a guy. Yeah. He's got to have a game. I mean, you know, he's got to. We'll see how how he comes along and stuff. Uh, you know, Wyatt Davis. We saw him go down. Mm-hmm. You know, against Wisconsin and that shoulder. You know, sometimes you know you never know if they're going to uh, uh, how how they're going to heal or if they're going to get strong enough. You know, for him to be a hundred percent. Uh, even though he obviously, you know, came back in and could play, but those are the little guys at the three week, and it's not really an off. Huge, yeah. I mean, it's not like you know the 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 bad thing from the scheduling is, you know, the the Big Ten game a lot of times has been December second, third. You know, now it was December seventh. Like you said, the Heisman 
Trevor Lawrence didn't have to go through that whole no, they had a thing. Justin Fields did. Uh, but how is this going to help these guys from a rest standpoint? It's not really as much rest as you think. It's kind of a compressed schedule. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, obviously, it's I much prefer it to back when you had this six weeks, whatever, for the, oh, the 2002. Man, that game. was crazy. I, you know, that's just. You I, really, as much, many stories as I've written in my life, you almost ran out of juice, man. It was <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Like three more days. You get to yeah. Phoenix. Like Who did I write months. about last week? Oh, I got to do somebody different, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's better this way because it's more of a continuation of the season. It is still you, – you can still get a little rust or, you know, there's the weird fatigue that Chase Young and uh, Jeff Akuda and J.K. Dobbins and Justin Fields when they're flying all over the country yeah. for the little ward circuit. I mean, that's a weird kind of thing. and. But they've had now, and even the holiday has really changed it too. Because I don't think anyone would really draw it up this way, where you know they didn't want the game to be on this day and this day for the playoff. But it's got to be Saturday if it's not on New Year's Day. Like they continue to really do bizarre things to these teams, and yeah, these kids have to go miss. They fly in, or they flew in on college on football Sunday. season. Is this is when it, it it's screwed up because the NFL you have the rig you have the Preseason, you have the season, you have the postseason, then you have the awards yeah. tours. Let the season go on. Yeah, but like, all these things were all based on tradition. When in, and in fact, most teams' season ended the last game of the regular season. There were only like six or seven bowl games. There were fewer than that a long time ago. But I can remember there were, when there were only seven. That's how old I am, or six. Uh, matter of fact, I can remember four six. But that. I'm, I'm digressing. <laughs> Bottom line is now it's like everybody's got a bowl game, but they've kept all this traditional stuff in between, which has yeah. well, made like, it wacky. Like, why wouldn't you want to wait and see if Joe Burrow and Justin Fields played each other and then, then cast the your vote for the Heisman? Then cast your vote. Well, like, well Zeke Elliott, and 2014, he's the perfect greatest example. He's the perfect example. Should have won it. And, you know. Yeah. I, I, I know it's crazy. I'll, I'll fill in the blanks for you. It's crazy. Uh, last I, thing. I just had a, loss for, a rare loss for words. I know, and I jumped right in there because I don't. I, that's like in those press conferences when somebody stumbles. They know, I'll take that one. Hey, I'll take the spot, you know. Uh, well, he asked my he question. Asked no, oh, I knew. man, if I hear that one more time. I knew that was coming. Oh, you had one question, huh? You've never, you, know? you will never, you'll never hear. You're in a press conference with Ryan Day and you have one question. You've wow. Ne- you have never heard me say that and I never will. I know. But. To, uh, to each their own. Yeah. Real quick, I'll get back to it and we'll get out of here because uh, I know you and Berm and Frenchie have a lot of stuff to do. Tea time coming up. Exactly. Uh, getting back to something we've already talked about, but I wanted to take it up a notch mm-hmm. is Ryan Day gets these looks in his eye sometimes. Sure that does. Yep. Very interesting. And, uh, and I know the most interesting aspect of this game, whether he wants to admit it or not, is he, he is it, yeah. He and his offensive staff against Brent Venables and their highly regarded defensive staff, which is why I asked that question the other day because mm-hmm. I want to write a story about that. Yeah. The, 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 the challenge within the game is the last time Ohio State played against a Brent Venables defense, it was shut out. Not only shut out, embarrassed. I mean, I, I, I forgot how few first downs there were, but it was it, they couldn't do anything. What, what we know about Ryan Day is Ryan Day – has had an answer to almost any puzzle, any question you put in front of him. He and the offensive staff and Justin Fields have been able to find answers. Yep. Don't you agree that he is champing at the bit 
for this challenge? I think that he doesn't publicly talk about this kind of stuff that much. He he hasn't like wanted to reflect on what. But you've seen that look in his eye, like I have. And I think, I think he's aware of the significant milestones or the things that he can add to his resume when they happen. He might not verbalize it. He might not even talk about it afterwards. But you know the Don Brown thing that you wrote about before Michigan taking. He was aware of that. Uh, you know, yeah. it was also brought to his attention. The challenge internalized, and and what that meant to you know for him to win in his first uh, edition of the rivalry. Yeah, and to do it in the fashion that he did, how that impacts his career and the way he's perceived. He doesn't care, I but I think that he understands the value. Uh, if that makes sense, that's a weird yes. way of thinking about it. So absolutely. So if you're comparing now, he's hearing about 2016. He wasn't part of the game. It is a storyline that is worth paying attention to because that brought his, brought him to Ohio State. Exactly. And he's going to, no matter what happens, there's going to be a comparison on Saturday night to 16 to 2019. No matter what. Right. Either the offense still isn't good enough to beat Clemson, and Ryan Day didn't fix it which is not really entirely a fair way to look at it, or look how far they've come because of Ryan Day. Yeah. And he, that stuff does matter to him. Yeah. To me, it's like uh, one of those movies where uh, the bank robbers work their way, break into a bank, middle of the night, and they've got it all figured out, except the bank has a new safe they weren't <laughs> counting on. How are they going to handle the safe? You know what this safe is. The last time you played against this safe, which Ryan Day was not part of, Ohio State, didn't come close to finding the combination. And that's why – because I think this game, as good as Ohio State's defense has played, it's shown, it showed it has showed some uh, some uh, gaps, let's yeah. put it that way, mm-hmm. in its armor the last couple of games. And as, as talented as Clemson is on offense, uh, it's hard to believe this – it's hard to believe they're going to keep them quelled for an entire game. I'm talking about Ohio State's defense. They're not going to shut Clemson out. I'm I'm really expecting – I'm not giving a a prediction yet, but I'm really expecting something in the – at least in the 30s, maybe both teams. uh, Because I think that's – because this is now, man. This is a heavyweight fight. You throw haymakers. And uh, you agree. Yeah, I think that you you often have this – people go into this game and they look, it's like, oh, these – they're, they're two such good teams. Like, how's anyone going to score? Such good defenses. Such good defenses. Yeah, yeah like – it's going to be incredible. Well, those are also really freaking good offenses. And you can be a good defense and still give up 24, 27, 30 points to Clemson and Ohio State yes. and have really done something. You know why? Because, because as I've talked about a million times with you and others and on this podcast, when you go into a game like this, you've got to not just be willing to throw. You've got to throw the ball. Both teams have playmaking, game-breaking wide receivers. They've proven uh, – that have been proven in big-time situations. And – that's why you can you can still play you can play great defense and give up a big play. You can play great defense and then give up a big play. And what they try to do is these big time teams, like I said in, in big time games, you try to shorten the odds for yourself by there aren't as many defenders when you throw a little fade out to the left side over here or or a takeoff down the middle or you run Jeremy Ruckert up the seam. There aren't as many Clemson Tigers to beat. You know you you try. You definitely want to establish something in the running game, but you got to throw the ball. And and what it'll come down to then, and that you know, I think we kind of see eye to eye on the way the game could play out. It, you need one or two stops that are in the red zone. Correct. To force a field goal. You need Chase Young forcing a strip sack or some, you know some unexpected turnover. And you only have to do that 
two or three times. Yes. I'm not saying that that Ohio State's going to score every time it goes up and down the field, but Ohio State's offense is going to score. Clemson's offense is going to score. Whoever can get three or four possessions to limit the damage or cut it out entirely, that's it. That's what you need in a big-time game. Who's going to be capable of doing it? I, I think – you know, when, once you get down here to, to join me in person, we send both of our holograms back to Columbus. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll have the score prediction. But I look at it, and four and five stars at every position. But the true superstars, I think Ohio State has more of them. Yeah. And the way that this season has played out, and Ryan Day has talked about it and really embraced that, you know, it, it's, a, it's a coaching cliche, but for the big-time players – making the big-time plays in the big-time game. The elite players, I think there's just more of them that tip the scale for Ohio State. But they're, they're, you only need one or two of them. As you said, it's a cliche because it's true. Yeah, right. I mean, bottom line. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, <clears throat> I appreciate my moments with Boston. You call him Austin Ward. And uh, we're going to have a good time out in the desert one way or the other, right, Boston? That's I, the way, life, that's got, way you have to approach life. I've, I've, already, I've already broke into the hospitality suite, cracked it open early for us. There so. you go. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got a little bit of a different take on life now, I mean, after, for a lot of reasons. And uh, I, I enjoy these moments, man. You never know when you're going to get to experience them again. You know, and speaking of that, you never know when Christmas – have you got all your Christmas shopping done? I will. You know, et cetera. I got maybe an idea for you for a late Christmas gift for maybe a big-time college football fan, big Big Ten fan, big-time Big Ten fan, say that three times, or maybe an Ohio State fan that's coming up in a moment with a guest of mine. And then I have a very special guest who is going to experience when Ohio State plays Clemson. He's going to experience the Mike Boren syndrome. I'll get to that and more right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You know, as I promised, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to help you with your late uh, Christmas ideas, uh, late shopping. If you're kind of perplexed on what to give that that person in your life, be it male or female, who is a uh, Big Ten fan, a sports fan, an Ohio State fan, I've got just the uh, number for you here. It's called This Is Big. How many times can you give someone a gift and be able to claim this is big, but this is a book about the Big Ten that goes back to the beginnings of the Big Ten, uh, the history of it, why it is what it is, why it is the greatest conference in in the nation when it comes to college collegiate sports. And the guy who put it all together, really the guy who glued it all together, so to speak, is Ed Sherman. Ed's on with him right now. Ed, thanks for coming on, man. And uh, wow, uh, what an endeavor. Yeah, great to talk to you, Tim. We go way back, obviously. We saw some of that history together. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been great. It's a uh, Big Ten. This is big, 350. It's a big book, as I've been saying. It weighs five pounds. I think you saw it. You have to get a little bit of, at the very least, you get a little bit of a workout carrying it around. Dude, I was, I was thinking you could have named it This Is Heavy, but, you know, it wouldn't have been quite as, <laughs> it's, by the yeah. way, by big, we're talking about B1G, which is the Big Ten logo. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah, go ahead. I mean, you know, what, what was your, just in a nutshell, what was your genesis? Why, why did you determine this needed to be done? 
Well, I, you know, I, I had been a child of the Big Ten, going to dating back to Northwestern yeah. days, watching Mike Adamley as a kid, and then going to Illinois, and, and then getting to know you when I was at the Chicago Tribune and covering college sports in the late '80s and through the '90s and and beyond. And I, I just thought there was a lot of history in that conference, I, and I and I love history, and I went to the Big Ten, Jim Delaney, and. 2017 and his uh, his associates and said, hey, let's do a history book on the Big Ten. There's so much history yeah. and it should be done in one place and they were all for it and we kind of went rolling from there. Yeah, you know, Jim Delaney even does the forward in this book, and it's excellent. And, uh, I mean, the, this is really funny, Ed. You know, I used to like National Geographic when my parents got it when I was little because of the pictures, you know. And, uh, and the great yeah. thing about this book is it's chock full of photos ridiculous photos and stuff but also nice stories and explanations you know and for Ohio State fans in particular it's not just about football but it does chronicle Chick Harley and Ohio State's uh uh entry into the Big Ten way back when he wasn't you know it wasn't one of the charter members but uh it got things going but just talk to me about that I mean uh the just Ohio State's in particular uh the the beginning of it all and it dates back and it and it uh Ohio State wasn't one of the charter members. They didn't get into, I believe, it was 1912. Yeah. And it kind of was a tough decision because they wanted to get in the Big Ten. But at the time, and here's a great trivia question. Name name the two schools that dr- actually dropped out of the Big Ten. Yeah. And everyone can always name University of Chicago. But the other school was Michigan actually dropped out of the Big Ten in 1907. Correct. And so at the time, you know, Michigan were playing Ohio State. And then it, Michigan dropped out because they didn't want to adhere to all the new rules that the big 10 was putting in to make it harder to, you know, they, they just, they wanted to play more games and that kind of stuff. So they dropped out and they were playing Ohio state at the time. Ohio state was a tough decision, but Ohio state decided, Hey, we want to be part of the big 10. And eventually that was one of the reasons why, so they had to stop playing Michigan for a few years. And that was one of the reasons why Michigan joined the big 10 again in 1917 because of that rivalry. So yeah, dates back that far. And, um, you know, Ohio State uh, goes, uh, you know, 1912, but it started in 1895. Unbelievable amount of history. And obviously, Ohio State wrote a lot of that history and continues to write that history. Yeah, it's funny because now people make fun of, you know, some people have uh, taken umbrage with maybe uh, Rutgers in Maryland joining the Big Ten, you know, uh, most recently. And I just go, well, you know, Ohio State wasn't exactly in it to begin with either, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you come and go like Michigan State, 19, what, 49? 1948, yeah. Yeah, 1948, you know. They they kind of took up the uh, slack that was left by Chicago and produced Jay Burwanger, the first Heisman Trophy winner, and then decided that uh, they didn't want the tail wagging the dog right <laughs> yeah yeah and that was great and they had the lamest lonzo stag who basically was their first you know the legendary coach who basically is pretty much the father of modern you know of yes. college football what we see you know post 1900 yeah you know one of my favorite parts of that book is the picture of the rules and how many i can't remember was it 10 or 12 rules? 12 12 rules yeah. that they came up for teams basically saying you know we'd appreciate it if you don't use professionals you know i'm just <laughs> paraphrasing and it was it was hilarious the the rules that well, uh, I, I mean, mean how, the, how, how how tight the rule book was then back way back when. well the first rule was that you know it'd be great if the athlete actually attended the school because yes. it wasn't happening when they founded exactly. that was one of the reasons why they founded it wasn't founded as a sports conference it was founded hey let's put some rules you know so guys aren't playing with two or three different teams or yeah. you know obviously getting paid or playing eight years in a row for the same school yeah. i mean not going to school so that was the, that was why the conference was founded and it kind of evolved then hey well we're 
we're together on these rules. Let's play each other. And, and that's how it started. And it wasn't really known in, as the Big Ten until um, until Ohio State joined. And then the, the newspapers called it the Big Ten. It was actually the Interclayton Conference of Faculty Representatives. That, that's a great name. Isn't that a catchy name? Oh, yeah. Back you know? then, I'm sure it was hoity-toity. Those guys in the <laughs> ivory towers loved it. You know? Right, right. Hey, real right. quick, let's just jump uh, Let's just jump into it for Ohio State fans especially. Obviously, there's great stuff in there about the Heisman winners, especially Archie Griffin, and uh, right on down the line. But, you know, I was intrigued by the, the two excellent uh, portions, one about Jerry Lucas and the other about Jack Nicholas and uh, yeah. uh, with photos, et cetera. But Jerry Lucas, that, I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking. I mean, you know, as Bobby Knight said, might've been the greatest player ever. I, uh, go ahead. Yeah, Dave. I think so. He's amazing. You know what he did and should have won three national titles and, you know, three, you know, three big 10 player of the years. And probably, you know, back then he only didn't win a fourth because freshman didn't play back then. Yeah. He was such an amazing player and winning as a sophomore team with that great team with, with Havlicek. And I got some great, great pictures in there. You know, you mentioned the photos. I mean, we got so many great photos in this book that we said, hey, we got to blow it out. We originally planned for 256 pages and we ended up with 352 just because wow. we got to show all these photos. And, 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 and you'll agree that we, yes. we we run a bunch of these photos across two pages and it really go, you go, wow, you know, um, because of just the impact and the great photography and trying to, we tried to use those photos to, to, to create the vibe. And then getting back to you, my, one of my favorite stats is Jack Nicholas. Yeah. You know, he coming first off, he came back. He he was second in the U.S. Open. He came back to play at Ohio State in 1961. Yeah. Didn't have to do that. He didn't turn pro, and 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 he goes out. This is unbelievable. He wins the Big Ten tournament by 23 shots. Yes, 23 shots. This is I just can't get my arms around that. I can't hey, even fathom hey, that. Hey, he was on. He was on that weekend. <laughs> yeah, but but the great thing was Ohio State won the team title by one shot, so they needed all 23 shots. But but tell that little anecdote. You know, the the coach what was it Kepler. I can't remember the coach's name, but uh, he basically said, I need you to do right, this so, yeah, so we can win the, the tournament, right? I mean, it was, right. and he, yeah. and he, he said, responded. It's crazy, right? And it's crazy. And, you know, obviously he had that relationship with Woody Hayes that, yes. you know, that was pretty well known. Woody loved him and, yeah. filed, quote, unquote, supposedly filed the reports when he was at the U.S. You know, when, they, when, when Nicholas was at the U.S. Open in 1960 and he was out in Colorado for a coaching meeting. So there's a lot of, one of the neat things in this book is kind of things, how things kind of come together. Yeah. You know, and it, these tentacles, I write about Jesse Owens in the book, and everyone knows, obviously, about what he did in Berlin, but his greatest day in track might have been at the 1935 Big Ten track meet in, in Ann Arbor, where he set four world records in 45 minutes, <laughs> and which is astounding. And you know who was in attendance that day? It was Gerald Ford was in the, you know, so a future president of the United States was yeah. watching. Yeah. And it's just so amazing how they all cross together. Four world records in 45 minutes. Top that, Pope. Top that, folks. <laughs> right. yeah. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Well, hey, uh, Ed, man, I appreciate you being on with me. Where, where can people get this book? Obviously, it's not in bookstores yet, but uh, yeah, right. if they want to get their Big Ten. It's at BigTenBook.com right now. And then um, you mentioned for Christmas, we're also hoping for birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Fourth of July, you know, a lot of things coming up. I think it's a book that people, you, Tim, I sent it to you because I wanted you to see how nice it was and how much content there was in there. And, oh. and I think you got an, a, a firsthand look at this is a, I, I, you know, I hate to brag, but I think it's a special book about a conference that really has made a lot of history. And you know, it, it's not only, it's not only, uh, 
about a quality conference, but it is a quality book. I'm telling you, Ed. I mean, you know, you know, I've always appreciated what you what you did. You know, you were one of the great you were one of the great guys in our business. You know, as a sports writer, etc. Uh, way long time ago, and you've brought quality to this endeavor, man. And like you said, one more time, Big Ten Books dot com is that Big Ten Book Big Ten Book dot com dot com. Yeah, yep. And, and uh, uh, hopefully, people will get it, and hopefully, I'd like to hear from them and. Love being Ohio State. Hopefully be there soon. Maybe we'll do a book signing out in Columbus one of these days soon. Sounds great. Ed, I appreciate it, my man. Thank you on short notice. And ladies and gentlemen, yeah, if you're looking for that last late-minute gift for your uh, loved one, either for uh, Christmas or New Year's Day or Valentine's Day, what the heck? It's a a gift that will keep on giving. Ed, thanks for being on with me, my man. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back in just a moment with my second surprise guest of the day, but I think you're going to enjoy it. This guy is going to be channeling Mike Boren a little bit when the uh, Fiesta Bowl comes to fruition. We'll be back in just a moment. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. I promised you a uh, special surprise guest, uh, a fellow who will be channeling Mike Boren this week. Uh, as you know, Mike Boren uh, played at Michigan, and then uh, he had three sons, one who enrolled at Michigan and decided to transfer back to Ohio State and then two others and became part of the folklore of Ohio State football. And, uh, and lo and behold, I'm sitting here talking with Kirk Herbstreet. Kirk, how you doing, Kirk? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. You know, how you like my idea of you channeling Mike Boren? Because few people have ever experienced the fact of, of giving, basically spilling blood for one school. And now all of a sudden your kids are at another school. Are you going to be torn this week as Ohio State gets ready to play Clemson where your two, uh, your two sons are, are on the Clemson football team? No, no, I'm good. Uh, you know, they're both red shirting. You know, in Mike's case, he had his sons that by the time they were done, you know, they were heavily involved in, and uh, starters and, and doing what they needed to do. And I tell you, if it were three or four years, five years from now, and they were seniors and they were playing, and uh, I'd probably be, uh, I'd probably be in a, a little bit of a different spot, a little bit of a different predicament. But yeah. I'm, uh, I, I find it interesting. In fact, Davo sent me a text the other day just saying, how ironic it is that, that Jake and Ty, in their very first year uh, at Clemson, their, their, their first playoff experience, and here they are teamed up against the team they've been brainwashed yes. to love. You know, and, yeah. I, and, and my my boys, they're identical twins. You know, the first they lived in Upper Arlington and went to the schools there in Upper Arlington through uh, fourth grade till we moved to Nashville, and they they um, like you'd expect they they are completely blinded Ohio State fans and the first time it hit them that they were not able to follow Ohio State they got through the whole year and then when Clemson played South Carolina it was the same weekend as Ohio State and Michigan and my family's making plans okay my wife my kid my other kids are going to fly to the game and Jake and Ty were like man it's really hit me that I, I, I can't go to the game Ohio State Michigan I can't even watch it because we're we're playing South Carolina and we have to stand, you know, on the sidelines of that game. Yeah. So they're like, man, it, this is dead. It's official. I guess, I guess, 
you know, we, we're not at Ohio State. You know, yeah, we can't yeah. them, so yeah. it hurt them. It hurt them for sure. That's funny because I had one kid who went to Ohio University, and they were remember when Ohio U had a had a lead on Ohio State, like late yeah. in the third quarter that one year, and they're all down yeah. on Union Street or Court Street, wherever it is down there in these bars, and they're all cheering. And then all of a sudden, they said everybody got kind of quiet because they realized, wait a minute, if Ohio State gets beat, we don't have anybody. You know what I mean? We we don't have anybody yeah. to really cheer for because you know it's it's that's yeah. a that's a strange thing, man. But hey, good. Yeah, it is. Hey, it is. But good. yeah, it'll be fun. I'm actually calling the game, so it'll be yeah, it'll be a lot of fun to obviously. You know, you call the game, you call the game. You're not necessarily right. polling, you know, for whoever to win. But um, yeah, you know, I I I'll, I'll, it'll be interesting to have them there. You know, standing on the sideline wearing orange. Wow. And then have the Buckeyes on the other side. Yeah, it, what, what a strange world we live in, though, uh, Kirk. Everybody grows up, right? Hey, real quickly for you, uh, you know, uh, just give me in a nutshell how impressed you've been with what Ryan Day has accomplished this year. You know, somebody can hand you a fighter jet that's got all the bells and whistles on it, but you still got to fly it. You still got to hit the buttons. You understand what I'm saying there? Yeah. Uh, he definitely – this beats what the the situation Jeff Halfley's going to be walking into in a couple of weeks of re, you know taking uh, maybe Boston College to another level. I mean, uh, obviously Ryan Day inherited the uh, the whirlwind here, and he's ridden it right. And just I guess how impressive have you been so far uh, with him? Well, I, I would go back to last year, and I would I'd make an argument that maybe the three best games they played uh, last year was when he was the head coach. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Then you, t- then you look at the uh, the baton being handed to him after last year, and you know you're right. It's one thing to have a team; it's another thing to be able to keep a team motivated, prepared, and hungry as consistently as he did. And they did that. I mean, they they were the only team this year in college football, with the exception of the first half against Wisconsin, that you could make it. You could say that man, they they played either their what they're capable of playing or close to what they're capable of playing in every half of football. And that's hard to do. I don't care if you have NFL players on your roster or not. And so I think he deserves a lot of credit. In fact, I do a show at the end of the year called the Herbies and I give a coach of the year award. And I, I know there's coach O and Matt rule and there are a lot of great candidates, but I gave it, I gave it to Ryan day and it had everything to do with not just a year that they enjoyed being undefeated, but, the challenges of stepping into that shadow of Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer still walks over to the Woody Hayes facility, still has an office there. He, he pokes around and yep. you know, it's not like he retired and left. Yeah. Um, he's, he's still around. And Ryan Day's made this his team. He's put his signature and his personality on this 2019 team. And I don't know if people realize how hard that, that is to do. And for that, I, I I think he was the national coach of the year, in my opinion. Hey, and, and with that said, uh, you know you you know this as well as anyone. How great a job has I mean, Dabo Sweeney in, inherited a a pretty decent situation when he suddenly was named the head coach, you know, and 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 basically flourished. But how great a job has he done in the modern era to take Clemson to the next level? Because they never. They were never on – Danny Ford, yeah, won a national championship way back when, what, 82 or whenever it was. But but uh, Debo, you know, it's Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. That's – maybe Georgia might be in the conversation, maybe Oklahoma. But you agree. I mean, that's – that. The, this is the elite, right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and what he inherited was a team that was incredibly inconsistent and perennially – 
uh, underachievers. Yeah. You know, they, they, you know, that term Clemsoning had everything to do with one week they would get up sky high. Just before Dabo got there, he was an assistant. They'd get up to play Florida State and they'd, they'd beat them or give them a great game. Yeah. And the next week they'd play Georgia Tech on a noon game on Jefferson Pilot, nobody watching, and they'd lose by 30. <laughs> you know, that, that was Clemson. They'd yeah. finish every year about eight and four. And they'd go to, you know, the Gator Bowl or whatever bowl they'd go to, and nobody really took them very seriously. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Dabo Sweeney went in there, and things just changed. You know, they, they became a different team. Um, I, I tell you, because I follow the team very closely just because, I, you know, I, I follow all these teams very closely. But they, 2011, they played West Virginia in an Orange Bowl, and they got beat 70 to 33 yes, in, in an orange bowl. Yeah. And they fired their defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele, who by the way is at Auburn right now doing a great job, but they hired Brent Venables. And in 2012, they had a good year. And at the end of that year, they played LSU in a bowl game and they, they won it on a last second field goal. And if you would go back from 2012, think about how many years you're talking about. Yeah. Talking about eight years, 2012 to this year, Clemson's team is as good, if not better, than anybody else in the country when it comes to overall winning percentage and what they've done in their bowl games. I mean, they, they think about some of the behemoths that they played and lived to tell about it. I just told you about LSU. They beat Ohio State the next year in an Orange Bowl. Yeah, uh, they ended up playing Oklahoma a year after that. Beat them forty to six. Uh, played Alabama in a national championship after they blew out Oklahoma in a semifinal. Yeah. Lost to them by five. Um, you know, ended up beating Ohio State 31 nothing. same year, beat Alabama. I mean, this has been going on for a number of years. They're not just the defending national champ. I mean, th this brand is rubbing shoulder-to-shoulder uh, -shoulder with Alabama, and they've won two of the last three national championships. So uh, I, don't, I still don't think they get recognized, you know, for who they are. Yeah. And I think that's the chip on the shoulder that they play with. And that's, the, that's the, what they'll come into this game with. Nobody respects us, and they'll be out to prove everybody wrong. And, you know, it'll be fun to see how uh, how this thing shakes out. I don't know if you can say this. This is my public my, – my own take on this game. I think the two best teams of the four – I'm talking about complete teams – are playing in – in Glendale, that's my, yeah. my take on it. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean that, that's fair. I mean yeah. LSU's gotten better late in the year with their defense; they've Agreed. gotten healthier, and I think they started to play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder when the committee flipped Ohio State to one, yeah, and LSU to two with about three weeks to go in the season. And the reasoning was Ohio State's a more complete team. You know, I think I think Coach O and Dave Aranda used that as as motivation, but I think since then LSU's played a lot better. Um, on that side of the ball, but I, I would I would say from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, you're 100 percent right. You know, it's Clemson. The knock on Clemson is they haven't played anybody. You know, yeah. and, and that's <laughs> that's valid. I mean, they, yeah. they played A and M, um, but they really they haven't. They just haven't played anybody enough for you to be able to say they're a great team. We know for sure they look like a great team, and they're they're discarding every inferior opponent by 42 points or more, which is what you should do. Yeah. But we're really not going to know how good uh, they are until they play in this game against Ohio state. You know, once, once we see the results of this game, we're going to have a much better idea, obviously of, of who this Clemson team is. Okay. I'll let you go real quick. I want to ask you a couple of quickies. Uh, what's the most, 
the most intriguing specter of this game coming up from your standpoint? I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Mine is the two best quarterback prospects of the 2018 class going head to head. Are yep. you are you kidding me? You know what I mean? I mean, right, I right. mean, it's, yeah. It, uh, go ahead. I mean, I don't know if you. Agree. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's a good one. Um, yeah, they're both they're both having great years. Obviously, um, and it's a chance to see them go head to head. And and I, I I think there's just so many layers here. Like when I when I look at Ohio State and I look at Clemson, yeah. As much as the quarterbacks in the passing game get the highlights on Sports Center. If, if Travis Etienne, who averages eight yards a carry, can't get established, that's when Trevor Lawrence has gotten into trouble forcing the ball into coverage and, and throwing some picks. And their whole key in establishing their rhythm is they got to get him on track. Mm-hmm. If they get him on track, they're really challenging to stop. And I think on the other side with Ohio State, I think it's not just J.K. Dobbins. Let's, let's knock on wood and, and hope that Justin's uh, knee is better after a three-week rest of getting you know, rehab and rest, because I think his ability to run the ball in this game against Brent Venables' defense mm-hmm. is essential. And you get that you get the, uh, the tandem of Dobbins one way or the threat of Fields the other. Make those defenders, especially the safeties and backers, have to respect that aspect of the offense. Mm-hmm. Then you get your one-on-one chances where Olave and company can – can make big plays in the pass game. So I, I think it's the, the running games of both these teams um, that are going to be very, very important. And if there's one specific matchup I can't wait for, wait till you see T. Higgins, number five, yeah. and Justin Ross, number eight, yeah. in person. Yeah. They're very, very similar to Benjamin Victor as far as their, their height and weight. They're both about 6'5", very long arms, and have great length in the passing game. I can't wait to see Akuda yeah. and Wade and Arnett one-on-one against those receivers because it's good against good. I mean, Wade and Okuda, we know he's going to be a first-rounder. Those guys are first-rounders, and, and Higgins and Ross are first-rounders at receiver. Yeah. And because of the way they're built, I think Ohio State's one of the few secondaries because of that length of those corners uh, that can hold up one-on-one. And I can't wait to see – who wins that matchup? Because that 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 could go a long way as well, determining uh, who wins the game. Amen. I mean, I just uh, you know, and, and as I pointed out to my my uh, viewers earlier when I had Austin Ward on, you know, these uh, you know Higgins and they're they're those are two guys that got it done a year ago against Alabama. I mean, you know, made big plays, yeah. big time. Oh game. yeah. I mean, this yep. I you know anybody who sleeps on Clemson, I don't think anybody's sleeping on Clemson. I know Ryan Day's not sleeping on Clemson without a doubt. I tell you what though. Kirk, I'm intrigued because Ryan Day, you've gotten to know him very well. He'll get a look in his eye every now and then. I mean, he's you know you know what a gentleman he is. I think he's yeah. intrigued by going against Brent Venables. If you follow my drift there, oh, like yeah. the chess game, you yep. you agree, right? I mean, uh, oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna have a camera actually. Like I said, I'm calling the game, and one of the things I talked to our production team with is I want to do a uh, a shot as you're watching the game. I want to put Ryan Day top right as he's talking into his headsets, you know, he talks to the, the GAs and the assistants who are then signaling the play. Yeah. And I want to talk, I want to be able to show viewers the cat and mouse game that goes on during when Justin looks over the sideline, he gets confirmation. We'd love to show what Ryan days as you're looking at Justin Fields. I want, I want to show the viewer what 
he's looking at and yeah. then what those assistants are doing to give him his play. And then I want to have Brent Venables in the top left. And I want to show people how he's reacting to what Ryan day is doing, because what you just said is very accurate. This will be a, a chess match. Brent Venables is known nationally as the best defensive coordinator at getting the last call in after the offense makes the adjustment. And so offensive coordinators feel very challenged by him to sometimes go fast, to not let him do that. And other times try to go to the very last possible second. So we're going to try to give the viewer at home a little bit of a kind of a peek behind the curtain there to watch the, uh, the play callers with Ryan day and Brent Venables to watch them go toe to toe uh, and see how that plays out. And last thing, uh, on the other side, you got Chase Young sitting there, uh, finalist for the Heisman Trophy, 16.5 sacks, had no sacks the last two games of the year, but people are, aren't really paying attention if they think he wasn't effective, especially in that Big Ten championship game where he was still in on six tackles, et cetera. But does Clint, is Clemson the kind of team you think that will challenge – to block him one-on-one to begin with and then move to something else. I mean, what's, you know, that, that, that is the other, you know, matchup that you're kind of watching. Uh, and will that free up Devon Hamilton, Jay Sean Cornell, two, in my opinion, totally underrated guys this year who've gotten things done on the inside for Ohio State. But what, what do you expect to see in a nutshell there? Yeah, I think you're, you're right about the two interior players. You know, I know they rotate a lot of bodies, but Cornell and Hamilton have, have definitely stepped up and have the capabilities of winning one-on-one. I, I think the strength of Clemson's defense is the interior, and I think the edges are somewhat of a concern in pass protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know Ohio State likes to move Chase Young around. Uh, I, I In this game, I think it'd be smart to keep him on the edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see how Clemson tries to offset his ability to take a game over, whether they use a tight end to chip. Trevor Lawrence is incredibly gifted, much like Justin Fields athletically. You know, you can see half rolls and, and, and boots and things like that to kind of move the pocket away from the potential threat of Chase Young. Yeah. You can also use the back to kind of chip on him. I, I, I think they're confident in who they are. They're not a program that necessarily uh, will go into a game plan and think, oh boy, we've never seen anything like this. We, we've got to alter our game plan. I think they'll give their players early in the game a chance to just execute. Yeah. And then if it becomes obvious, oh boy, he is as good as you know we saw it, then I think you might see them come into, okay, let's go to plan B. And that's where I think you'll see tight end chips, half roll, boots, at times they'll read him, you know, on a, on a zone read, not even block him. Yeah. Just just kind of read him, take him out of the game that way, make him make a decision to keep, uh, you know, the quarterback or or take ETN. And, and um, there's different ways that I think they'll try to offset him. But I, I, Chase Young will be healthy and and, uh, and geared up. And, you know, when he gets on a big stage, Chase seems to play his best game. But uh, yes. I'm anxious to see how Clemson tries to slow him down for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, Kirk Herbstreet uh, breaking down Ohio State Clemson. Uh, also uh, getting ready to, like I said, you know, whether he believes it or not, he's going to channel Mike uh, Boren a little bit. Kirk, I really appreciate you being on my podcast, man, and uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Yes, sir. Same to you and everybody that's uh, listening. And keep up the great work, Tim. You know how big of a fan I am. I know, man. I, I, I appreciate you all my career. I mean, all my career uh, covering you guys. And like I said, man, you were one of my favorite guys I ever covered at Ohio State, and that's before you became famous, man. I'll, I will see you out there at the uh, at the Fiesta Bowl. Yes, sir. Can't wait, buddy. All right, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, you all know him. Some of you some of you love him. I mean, I've always liked the man myself. I always thought he tells it really the way it is. 
Some people have problems with that when he's telling it the way it is, when they don't like the way it is. But uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. But he did a great job breaking down this breaking down this matchup. And like I said, he has two twin sons who are walk-ons, uh, preferred walk-ons at Clemson. And you know his heart his heart won't be as torn this this year as much as it might be in a couple of years from now when those guys are contributing members to the team. But uh, you know this promises to be, in my opinion, the best of the two matchups in the in the in the college football playoff semifinals. I'm looking forward to being out there with the Letterman Roadcast, and we'll bring you some live coverage from out there. And, of course, post-game analysis one way or the other. Ohio State wins or loses. Does it move on, uh, in fact, to the uh, championship game uh, against the winner of LSU or Oklahoma? But until then, until next week, this is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And as always, thanks for listening and thanks for watching. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.